Welcome to the HR Moment Podcast. In this audio series, we will explore important human resources topics that impact Richardson ISD campus administrators and supervisors. In this episode of the HR Podcast, OMG, I got a grievance, now what? Our Assistant Superintendent of Administrative Services, Brenda Payne, will share with us what you should know about grievances and the grievance process in our district. Follow us on Twitter at RISD underscore HR and tweet us to share what you found most helpful or something new you learned from our podcast. Don't forget to share with a colleague and listen to our entire podcast because we will share an opportunity for you to leave us some feedback or share ideas for future podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brenda. This is Brenda Payne. She's an Assistant Superintendent of Administrative Services for Richardson ISD, and she's joining us today to talk about a topic that we all need to be aware of and just have a, a general knowledge about. And so she's going to share with us information about grievances. So Brenda, let's start with the basics. Welcome. First of all, we're so glad you're here. But let's start with the basics. What is a grievance? A grievance is when there is a dis- disagreement or a complaint. Um, that an individual believes that cannot be resolved, um, sometimes outside of the formal, uh, the informal resolution process, but it's basically any complaint, dissatisfaction that an individual believes um, they need supports and resources to resolve. Now, who can file a grievance? Really, pretty much anyone. Um, we have three basic types in our district that are available um, in board policy. Um, the first one that we have that's available is the GG, DGBA, and this is the um, general employee's complaint. So um, a member of our personnel in Richardson ISD might use this process. Um, another one is FNG, and FNG is actually for our student and parent complaint. And then finally, you have GF, and that's for community complaints. And they all pretty much have the same guidelines as it relates policy, but it does separate them um, just for individuals to feel like what they're reading in the policy is aligned to um, the area of their complaint. So talk to us a little bit about the process. If I am an employee who has a concern, I've tried to um, resolve that informally with my supervisor where I'm working, but I've decided that, you know, I'm not satisfied with that. I want to move forward. What does the overall process of a grievance look like? So the overall process is the first step would be to go into um, our district website and go to the board manual. And in the board manual, if you just simply type in the word complaint, because we do use the word grievance and complaint interchangeably, they're not different. And those words can be interchangeable. And once you type that in, the forms will pop up uh, and you'll see two, you'll see legal and local. And those basically are for the most part, the same. You're going to want to go, you can read the legal one, but you're going to want to go to the local because local is how we take the legal grievance policy and make it match our process for implementation at the district level. So that's really our implementation of policy. And so you look for local and in local, you'll see two things. You'll see the policy outlined, um, what to do for a level one, level two, level three, And then you'll also see the additional forms that are called exhibit. And at that point, that's what you do. I would encourage 100% before you even begin to attempt to fill out the exhibit that you read the policy fully 
because there are very specific timelines associated with a grievance. So one very important timeline is that you have to file a grievance within 15 days of knowing of the complaint. And that's super important. Um, and then um, in addition to that, it just talks about the timeliness associated with that. And the process is very simple. Once you fill out those forms and they're completely filled in, you would submit those to me through my email at brenda.pain at risd.org. And those come through my office. Once I receive those in, I will contact you directly with your scheduled grievance hearing. So what is the, you talked a lot about the timelines and I know the timelines are super important. Why are they so important? Well, they're important because most importantly is we want to get your, your, whatever your complaint is, whatever the concern is, get it resolved quickly. Um, and so that's why that's so important. And also um, it's important because it needs to be real time. And, um, you know, complaints over time aren't necessarily able to be resolved if it's been going on for a really long time. So it's about immediate um, situations where we can get a quick remedy to whatever the issue is. And so that's why it's really important. When you talk about those 15 days, a lot of times for us in school, it's like we're thinking about calendar uh, um, school days, you know, not on the weekend. So are these are these calendar days or are these um, school days, so to speak? When you're working with a complaint with the grievance process, they are 100 percent calendar days. So what I always say to everyone, weekends count. Um, and also anytime a grievance is submitted. Um, the date that it's submitted is considered day zero. So it's the next day becomes day one. Hey, um, those important things to know. Uh, what, what is the responsibility, um, Ms. Payne, of the, of the complainant and then of the, the district in response, if that makes sense? Like what, if I have the concern and I'm coming to the district, what are my mm -hmm. responsibilities in this process? Mm -hmm. And then what are the district's responsibilities? Well, I think that I'll start with just the complainant. The complainant's responsibility is to make sure that you've read the guidelines fully, um, that you recognize the importance of the timeliness of your complaint. Um, I would also say efforts to resolve um, at the level in which the, the, you know, we always say, now closest to the complaint. So have we really worked to remedy the situation and utilized all of the services necessary because in a complaint process, it typically will start with the individual and it could even be the individual that you could potentially be grieving. Um, so for example, let's just take an employee and their principal. Um, even if you've attempted to resolve the issue with your principal, the likelihood of it starting with your principal um, now, instead of an informal process, you're now in a formal process, um, which just changed the dynamics of it. But we're always going to encourage the individual to go back to the level at which the complaint started. So that, that that's really um, looking for resolution and what is resolution and being very clear in that in your grievance paperwork. What is it that you're seeking? Um, sometimes that is not real clear. And so that makes it a little difficult. So that's really in making sure that you 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 you're paying close attention to those calendar things because in the event that a grievance is submitted and it is outside of those 15 days that I discussed, then a response would come back from me stating that um, it, it's outside of the 15 days and what we would call untimely. And so that would be a response that an individual would get. And then they could appeal that, but they would be gr basically grieving the untimeliness statement by me versus the original complaint. 
So that's really what's important for the person, um, for the complaint. On our end, um, from a standpoint, when I say our end, from a res resolution and listening to whoever that individual is, um, whether it's the principal, um, you know, whether it's um, one of our executive directors, um, one of our directors in transportation, whoever's hearing the complaint from a district level trying to respond, what we're looking for is how can we support what it is that you are grieving and complaining about and ultimately how can we get resolution? But our job on our end is to take all of the facts and that's really important too. any documents that go along, uh, memos, documents, potentially growth plans, emails, anything that you can provide with your complaint, it needs to come with that because we will use all of that after we hear your complaint to, to, to resolve it. What is the, what's the outcome and who determines that outcome? I know that you spoke a lot about a resolution. So as a complaint, I'm coming in with an idea of what I think it will take to resolve the issue. Who's going to determine that? That's the hearing officer. So whoever is identified, and that's typically identified um, in collaboration. I, I, I'm i the one that communicates it, but I do seek guidance, whether it's from the superintendent, the deputy superintendent, legal counsel, to determine who's the best person to hear the complaint. And then I also identify who's the person that's going to facilitate it, because that's an important piece to this, too. And I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, Misty, but it's important to know that there's two people in the hearing. Um, in the hearing, you have a facilitator. And depending upon the type of grievance it is, it could be HR, it could be somebody from student services, and then you have the hearing officer. So let's take an example. I'll just go back to the example that maybe it's something that's happened at the campus and your, and your principal is listening and hearing this. So the principal would be the hearing officer, and then you probably have somebody from HR facilitating and that's what makes this very different, because when the hearing officer is hearing it, they are simply hearing it. It is not a trial. We're not bantering back and forth. We're not interrogating a witness. It is 100 percent. The hearing officer listens, takes copious notes. The facilitator keeps us on tracks, makes sure we're following policy. And then at the closure of that, it is the hearing officer that makes a determination of what happens next. And that happens through the written response. So whoever the hearing officer is, that is the person that is looking at the remedy that you seek and responding to your remedy. So they would share with you their findings and their overall conclusion. And that may or may not be what that individual is seeking, but it would share the steps that individual took an effort to resolve. And there could be components of resolution components of what the individual was seeking might be part of the response, but it is the responsibility of the hearing officer to investigate fully, make sure that they've spoken to any parties that have, uh, have any connection and looked at all of the documents. And then it is their responsibility following the investigation to provide a written response based on their findings. Awesome. Well, is there anything else you can think of that it's important for us to know about grievances or the grievance process? I think the most important thing is to be very aware of the process that you're engaging. And I would say that it is clear. Um, there are basically three levels and then potentially the final levels to the board. So you have your first level that would be, could be like, for example, like I said, your direct supervisor. Um, the next level might be an executive director. In the event that you appeal your level one response, it goes to a level two. 
If you appeal the level two response, it would go to a level three, which would probably in most cases be um, our deputy superintendent, Tabitha Branham. In the event that the level three um, it does not meet satisfaction of the agreement, then it could ultimately go to the board and there would be a formal hearing by the board. And so those are um, all of the levels that we go through. And in each of those levels, a written response is provided to the grievant within seven calendar days. Um, then the first day of the grievance being heard is day zero. So I think the thing that I stress the most is understanding when you move to the formal process, it does feel different. Um, and I would always encourage any individual to do everything that they can to work through the issue um, with the individual that has the ability to resolve it in an informal way. Um, I think it continues to um, keep the relationship um, but also, again, the formal process is there for a reason, and we don't shy away from individuals pursuing it. Well, thank you so much for all this information, Ms. Payne. It's been very helpful, and I know people will find that, um, you know, if they come and they're, they're curious about the process or haven't had an opportunity to go through the process, that this will be very helpful. So we appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. And they can call me anytime they want or shoot me an email, and I'll walk anybody through it. Awesome. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in for this episode of RISD's HR Moment. Please take a moment to leave us some feedback and enter our prize drawing at bit.ly forward slash HR Moment, all lowercase. That's bit.ly forward slash H-R-M-O-N-E-N-T. Also, leave us a comment about something you learned or found helpful on Twitter. You can tag us at RISD underscore HR, and we look forward to you joining us on our next episode.